0: Father, we just want to thank you once again for this morning. We've come to the ministry of the word. This morning, O oh Lord, we want to say with Samuel, speak, Lord. Your servants are hearing. Grant us attentive ears, O oh Lord. And even as the word gets ministered, O oh Lord, I pray, Father, for faith. Faiths to arise. For you said, O oh Lord, nothing matters except faith expressing itself through love. And therefore, this morning, I pray, Lord, for faith to arise. Encourage us and exhort us to love and to good works. And prepare us through the ministry of the word. Sanctify us and set us apart for your coming, O Lord. To that end, I pray that you would anoint the ministry of the word, even in the hearing and its speaking. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So last Sunday we've been looking at uh, rapture or capture. Rapture is one imminent event that is yet to happen, which will happen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but, but, but the word of the Lord, not even one yacht or one tittle from the word of the Lord will pass away. So rapture is imminent. And we have different theories if you have heard last sunday carefully but one thing that if you if you if you uh, listen to the message carefully so many theories but one essential through it all we have to be prepared no matter what that is the lesson i learned and i can only prepare myself as an individual even though we are a body of christ Many parts, one body, but we are also individual Christians or believers in the body of Christ. So we can only prepare ourselves individually. You know why? It's very interesting. It says, one will be left, one will be taken off. One will be, two will be sleeping in the bed, one will be left, and one will be taken off. You know what scares me? The word, one. Individually, it's like the Lord is going to pick one from here, one from there, and the Bible says we will all have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. How? As a corporate body? No. As individuals. That'll be interesting, isn't it? You know, the most scariest exam in any university is a viva. What is it? Mm, if you have given your viva exam, you'll know. Everybody's heart in its, is in his mouth because uh, in, in, the, in the exam you can write stories and somehow you, you, you can think that the volume of the words that you have written will somehow get you through the exam. But once the vaiva exam is happening, you know what will happen? Doot ka doot, ka You know, we, you have, we had a professor called uh, Professor Yagnanarayana Narayana in our university. Uh, he was uh, from the speech lab in uh, IID, from IIT Chennai. One, he used to teach a course and he used to suddenly decide what kind of an exam he has to give, no? So we are all prepared for this final exam and he, just before the last uh, last class was getting over, he said, um, okay, this exam is going to be a viva. Okay, each of you will individually appear before me and I will test you personally to see how much of the subject you learned. A senior senior most professor in the university is going to ask you questions. Your heart will be in your mouth. Now Think about it. No, A senior most professor's interview is going to scare the daylights out of us. What will happen if we appear before the judgment seat of Christ? The closest of his disciples who was literally leaning on his bosom when he saw Jesus in all his glory fell at his feet like a dead man. That is something which is imminent. Imminent is I-M-M-I-E-I-N-E-N-T, okay? Imminent. It is definitely going to happen and we will all have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and therefore, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, what do we do? We persuade men. Okay? So, we could be either rapture ready or capture ready. But we can all only prepare ourselves as believers. Alright. So let us look at uh, Luke's gospel chapter 21 verse 36. Which, were, which was one, one of the verses that we were looking at last Sunday. 36 says. Watch therefore and pray always. That you may be counted worthy. To escape all these things. And stand before the son of man. Without being ashamed. So what is that? That you may be what? Counted Worthy. Another translation, which is, the, which is the NIV translation. It's very interesting. Look at what it says. NIV, NLLT. This is what it says. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have the what? Strength. Oh my goodness. If you want to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you better have strength. Strength. Count it worthy and have strength. Otherwise, you know what will happen? Your niece will start knocking. Remember Belshazzar? His niece started knocking. But just because when he saw the writing on the wall, can you imagine that? You've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Another translation. Uh, this is a new living translation, NLT. Keep alert at all times and pray that you may be strong enough. That is the reason why in the Telugu, in one of the uh, uh, chapters in Job, it says, "Balavantulu." That means what? The people who are strong in the Lord will be raptured. That's essentially the translation. Okay. You have the strength. In other words, you have the strength not to be prevailed against by the enemy. The onslaught that is going to happen in these last days. The trial and the tribulation and the testing that is going to come upon all people. If it has not already started in your life, it will start the beginning of the year, you might have said, Lord, let there be a peaceful, trial-free, test-free year. (laughs) You will not grow. Okay. If you want to really know how much of spiritual strength you have, it is incumbent, rather it is imperative that we be tested. It is a testing of the faith, which is much more uh, uh, precious than gold, it says, right? So what you should have the strength to Be able to stand, to be not prevailed against, but rather be overcomers. Not be overcomed, but be overcomers in the last days. The things that are happening all around the world, even in our own country. Horrible. There's unrest all around, from the top to the bottom. There's no place, there's no peace. It says in, I think, 2nd Chronicles chapter 16, the Lord confused and he did not let peace in any of the nations In in those days, there was wars, rumors of wars, and we are living in those times. Even Even in our own country, every part from east to west, north to south, there is unrest. So, can we? do we have the spiritual strength, the caliber to be able to be overcomers and not be overcome? That is something which we need to always ask ourselves this question, right? Matthew chapter 16, the Bible says, what is the key, what is the key to have the strength? Matthew chapter 16. This is at Caesarea Philippi, where Jesus is asking the disciples about what is their testimony, about what is the testimony of the people about him. And this is what uh, uh, the the disciples have to answer. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but whom do you say I am? Simon Peter answered. You are the Christ. The son of the living God. Look at that. Powerful statement. He has a revelation. And this is what Jesus has to say about that. He says, Jesus answered and he said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, what is this rock? This rock of the revelation that I gave to you. I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not be able to overcome it because you have the strength now because you know me. You have a personal relationship with me. You have a ongoing, vibrant, worshipful, prayerful relationship with the living God. That is the key for spiritual strength. Okay? And then... If you have that kind of a relationship with God, okay, you know what happened? You will not be overcome, but you will rather be a person who will overcome. And therefore, you will have the strength one day to, be, to escape all these things and stand before the Son of Man unashamed. And therefore, what do we need? We need revelation of the knowledge of God. Just not knowledge, not head knowledge. We need a revelation. Revelation is always in a a relationship which is based upon a covenant. It is not based upon any other, it's not a contract, it's a covenantal relationship that we have with the Lord and that is the basis of all revelation and true knowledge. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32, it says, those who do wickedly against the covenant, this is the antichrist who is going to come, he shall corrupt with flattery But the people who know their God shall be what? Strong. And carry? Great exploits. So, see, the Bible always gives us patterns. Okay, I want to be a person who is going to be raptured. How many of you want to be raptured? People who want to be a part of the tribulation? (laughs) Some people are not sure. Okay. So let me tell you something. Faith comes by hearing. Ah, complete. In hearing by the word of God, so if I want to be raptured, I should have the faith to be raptured. Exactly, essentially. So if I have to have the faith to be raptured, I should listen to the word which will prepare me for rapture. That is the point. Okay. If you're going for a mathematics mathematics exam, and you study for physics physics paper. <laughs> You don't have the faith, obviously. Of course, unless you're unless you're Anurag, who's a genius, who's got everything in his mind, any exam is ready. Okay, <laughs> all right. So you have to have the faith, and faiths to be raptured only comes when you prepare by listening to the word, which prepares you for rapture. You understand that? It's clear. No, it's not very difficult. So God, what does He do? As I, as I said. We have to be prepared as individuals because all of us have to personally stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And it is one from here, one from there will be lifted up. Therefore, you know, you should circle on the word one. That is a scary word. And everybody will be raptured from different, different places. Now, how do we prepare ourselves? Does God show us paradigms or patterns or, or symbols in the old covenant which prepares us for rapture? Of course. And as I, as I said, he shows us two individuals from the Old Covenant who, was, who were raptured. And the mouth of, ah, two witnesses, everything gets established. So the fact that it is, there is going to definitely be an imminent rapture is shown to us or given to us in the Old Covenant by two witnesses who were raptured and did not taste death. Okay? They did not taste. Death You know you know what the word "rapture means I, I mean rapture is a very interesting word no you went to an, you went to a concert musical concert, you know what do you say? We were all raptured meaning what the the, the music took us and translated us into a different domain that 's what it means so so in order to be raptured. You should be raptured about whom? About Jesus. That's what translation means. You're totally gung ho. You know, remember that song? In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever. And then, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. See, rapture. So you have paradigms in the old covenant. Of course we know one obvious paradigm is Enoch. And the other paradigm, of course, is anybody else knows? Elijah. You are Bible scholars. Of course, you're in GTC, so you should be Bible scholars by this time. So I'm going to show you about Elijah. Okay? One verse about Elijah. Let's read from James chapter (coughs) 5. Verse 16 onwards. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then Who is this righteous man? A paradigm is given. We are only righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. That is is the only righteousness that is qualified in the new covenant. Who is a qualified righteous man? A righteous man who has put his trust on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that alone qualifies you as a righteous man. Alright? So, Elijah was a man. This righteous man. What does it say? Subject to like passions as we are. Okay, and he prayed earnestly and it rained, etc. The, by the way, the word like passions occurs only two times in the entire New Covenant. If I'm right, uh, including the Greek translation of the Old Covenant. Only two times. A man of like passions. The word is from which we get the word homeopathy. <laughs> okay, so it's a G- Greek word. Huh? Homo, homoeopatheos, homoeopatheos means people who are subject to like passions. Another place which is where where it is mentioned, Paul and Barnabas are in Lystra. Remember, Paul and Barnabas are in Lystra and uh, they heal a man. Paul is preaching, they see that this man has got uh, the faith to be healed. Paul says in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. So he rises up and walk and everybody is so excited They say, the gods have come. Who has come? So they want to sacrifice to these gods now. <laughs> so they call uh, Paul, I think Zeus and uh, Barnabas, uh, something else. So they give him names and they want to bring bullocks and everything and to sacrifice to these people. <laughs> that's what, this that, that, is what, what we call a psychophancy. you know. Uh, one day they will say you are great and the next day they will say, crucify you. Hosanna, hosanna, hosanna. And the next day, crucify, crucify, crucify. Look at what, how Paul responds to this kind of a reception. Acts chapter 14 and verse 15. Easy to remember. And saying, Sirs, why do you do these things? You know what they did? They tore their clothes. And they said, Sirs, why do we you do these things? We also are men of like passions. Just like you. We are not any different. So Elijah was a man. Just like us. Everybody say When you read the Bible, do you you believe that? Okay, so let us read it. James chapter 5, verse six seventeen, in different translations. So that we'll confess it, okay? This is the word of God, so you can confess. Hmm? Everybody, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly. Okay, that is a new international version. Ah, let's read this. Elijah was human... As we are and yet when he prayed earnestly. Okay. Elijah uh, was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently. I like that word fervent. That's the reason why I use the word. Okay. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly. So, the, what does the Bible say? Elijah was a man just like Okay, I, I want to personalize it now. Okay. Well, let's see that. Elijah was a man just like me. Everybody say that? Oh, fantastic. So the question, therefore, is if Elijah was a man just like me, what should be the next corollary? Question. Huh? Uh uh. uh, uh, uh oh, 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 Pray honestly is uh your that is the second part. What should be the corollary? To this question. What should be the obvious question that I have to have? That is the title of today's teaching, by the way. Okay, all that introduction for today's teaching. The question I want to ask, if Elijah is a man just like me, the question is, ah, am I therefore just like Elijah? No, think about it, no. Think for a few seconds. Put, can you put your hands on your heart? Cross your heart and vote to whatever, huh? And say, Elijah is a man just like me. And I am a man. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Anybody has the gumption to say that? <laughs> seriously? See, seriously? See, if Elijah was a man just like us, and he was raptured. Okay, he was a type of a prototype of the rapture. Can we ask this con- uh, counter question, or you, you want to call, call it convex question? That I am a man. Am I a man just like Elijah? That is a question. I want to answer this question because see. If I want to prepare for rapture, I want to see a pattern in the Bible. I want to see this is the pattern that God is showing me and says, if you are like him, and I'm not what? A respect of persons, okay, you will be what? Caught up, and you will not be a part of the second resurrection. We will be a part of the first resurrection on which the second death has no power. So how? I mean, I was thinking about this question. No, I mean, this was way back, at least I think it was in 2021. I was listening to a man of God, Telugu preacher. His entire refrain was, am I like Elijah? Am I like Elijah? Am I like Elijah? And that was ringing in my head almost for the past two two years. And then when pastor was talking about rapture last Sunday, And I was thinking there are only two people in the entire old covenant who were who were the paradigms of the rapture. And the Bible says Elijah was a man just like ours, but do we have the audacity and the faith to say I'm a man like Elijah? So what does it mean or make us, I mean rather, take 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 from us to become a people or a company who was just like Elijah? That is a question I want to answer this morning? I want to look at, there are several things that we can look at, but I want to highlight how many? Seven. 7th May to 2023, no? it's a good day. First Sunday of the fifth month. Seventh day of the fifth month. So, you should be ready for some very interesting observations and I want you to think about this even as we read the word, study the word. Let us see Do we fall in this pattern? First Kings chapter 17. Let's read. The introduction. Elijah, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead. That is the introduction. By the way, we do not know, we do not have any other background, unlike any other prophet in the old covenant. We do not have any other background. We do not have the pedigree of Elijah. Which tribe that he belongs, we don't know. The genealogy of Elijah is not known. All we know He's a Tishbite from the inhabitants of Gilead. By the way, Tishbite means captivity. The one who's been captivated. The one who's been, what? Raptured and captivated by God. That's what it means. And Gilead means a witness. The witness of a person who has been captivated by God. And the word Elijah means, Yahweh is my God. That's what it means. Eliya. Eli means my God. Yah is Yahweh. So this morning we we'll first will look at the man. The man. Okay. Irving Wallace wrote a book called The Man. Okay. <laughs> my dad's favorite book. <laughs> okay. Which he always used to speak about when we were growing up. No? The man. The man. Who is this man? Elijah, the Tishbite. What is this? What is his introduction? A man who is captivated by God. What does it mean? Who has been taken prisoner by God. How? How, 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 how? Voluntarily. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. Look at what it says. As a prisoner of the Lord. Do you see that? (laughs) As a prisoner of the Lord. Then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. We have to be, stand, we should be able to stand, counted worthy, to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, right? Raptured. Escape all these things and be counted worthy. So what should we do? We should also become what? Prisoners of the Lord. The prisoner. Who's the prisoner? The one who's been captivated by God. How? Voluntarily. He says, Lord, my life is not my own anymore because the price that you paid for my soul. It's like a bond servant. The bond servant has been freed, now he is released after he has served seven years. And in the what the Bible says? He says, you know what, Master? I don't want to leave you. I want to be a servant for life. So what does he do? He takes his ear and takes him to the door and he pierces that ear through the awl. And you know what happens? That person becomes his servant for life, voluntarily. That's the reason why everything in the kingdom of God is voluntary. It cannot be forced. The question therefore this morning, Elijah is just like me. But if I have to be like Elijah, what should I be? I should be a what? A prisoner of the Lord. A volunteer of God. I have given myself voluntarily without any reservations. Completely. To God. See, we are either captives of God or captives of the devil. We are captives of the world or captives of God. We are captives of sin or captives of righteousness, but captives we are. Whether you like it or not, we are captives. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll say this is very powerful verses. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 onwards. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach and patient. In humility correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance. Please can you close the door please, if you don't mind. So that the AC will not go out. Somebody can stand there, sit there. Uh, Some young person. Thank you. In humility, correcting those. So, one of the things that you need to understand: you cannot just manufacture repentance. God has to grant us repentance. Okay? So, there is a time frame for repentance. After that, the door is closed, and even if you seek for repentance, you will not find it, like he saw. So, understand that. So, let's move on. Second Timothy chapter two: so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. How? Having been taken captive. By him to do his will. I told you, right? Either you are what? Captives of God or captives of the devil. You're captives of the world or captives of God. You're captives of sin or you're captives of righteousness. It is your choice. You don't have to be. Sin will not have dominion over us. You know why? Because we are no longer under law, but under grace. It is our choice. Okay? So it is voluntary. Remember? The last words to Peter, John chapter 21, this is what it says. Mostly I assuredly I say to you, Peter, when you were younger, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked wherever you wished. But when you are old, what happens? You will stretch your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you will not go. So I, I remember my younger days, no, when I was baptized. After I got baptized, we were all full fired up, you know. 2002, we got baptized and then we went our own way. After that, no, we just chose our own paths and went our own way. And God in his sovereignty had to literally change the course of our lives to bring us back to his plan. So when we were younger, what do we do? We go our own way. We have all our plans. But I, I hope and pray that we will give our hands to Jesus like Peter did. And this he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, what? Follow me. That's what? No? There's a death. That means, death to himself anymore. He's not going to do any of his will anymore. He's going to only do what? Will of God. No, uh, remember uh, Paul's Persecuting the church, right? He was persecuting the persecuting the church. He was creating havoc. People were getting scared of him. And you know, sometimes I feel that people would have people in the church would have prayed, Lord, this man is creating havoc, Lord. Take him out. Take him out, Lord. I mean some of us pray such prayers, right? Lord, just take him out of the way, Lord. Do something, Lord. I think one man would have prayed, Lord, this guy, Lord, he's creating havoc, persecuting. We have not done any harm to them. He is coming after our lives. Now he's getting these letters and he wants to go to church in Damascus and also persecute them. Lord, do something, Lord. Take this man out of the way. The answer, ask myself this question. Did God answer that question? Did God answer that prayer? Did God take him out? Yes, God took him out. He killed Paul. Saul, Saul. And who came out? Paul. And therefore he says, I am what? Crucified. With Christ. The prayer was answered, by the way. In a strange way. He was doing whatever (laughs) he wanted to do. And Once he was confronted by the Lord. You know what he did? Lord, what do you want me to do? He became a servant of the Lord. He became a prisoner of God. A fool for Christ. So, Romans chapter 6, verse 17. But God be thanked... That though you were slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became what? Slaves of righteousness. Once you were a captive of sin, now you are what? Captive of God. This is what I wrote even as I was preparing this uh, teaching. I wrote this thought. You can just think through with me. If I am not a captive of God, I will not be an instrument of God to release those who have been captivated by the devil. It's impossible. Okay. It is impossible unless I'm a captive of God. I cannot be a person who will be an instrument by God who will release others. They will say otherwise, physician, heal yourself first. Hmm? Genesis 14, 14. Now when Abraham heard that his brother was what? Taken, captive. The man was enraptured by God. You see, you know what? He surrendered himself. He armed 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. So who is Elijah? The first thing, the man, the man who was absolutely captivated by God. He understands, Lord, I'm your prisoner. I do not have any rights over my life. You take control. Question. Elijah was a man just like us. And if I have to be a man just like Elijah, what should the first step be? Lord, I take rights away from my life. You know, one of of the things after you come into the ministry, you will learn. Lord, most of the times you will say, Lord, I did not sign up for this, but it is too late now. It's over. I put the hand on the plow. I'm not turning back. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm his. I'm your prisoner, Lord. I'm a stranger and a pilgrim. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I'm here to do your will. That is the first thing about Elijah. Therefore, this morning, the first step to the best of your ability To the best of your ability, say, Lord, I surrender. In your heart. In your heart. Don't have to say it loudly. Lord, to the best of my ability, I surrender. Areas of my life, I surrender. My family, I surrender. My anxious thoughts, I surrender. My anxieties, I surrender. My children, I surrender. My husband, I surrender. My life, I surrender. That is a man. Look at his testimony. The second thing I want to talk about is his testimony, the man and his testimony. Let's read the next word, next part. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab. Look at what it says. As the Lord. I mean, by the way, the word "as" is in italics, meaning it's not there in the original translation. Okay. So we let us read it without "as." Okay. And it's actually very powerful. Elijah the tishwet of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, The Lord of Israel lives. And I stand before him. Does your God live? If your God is alive, who takes your decisions? If your God is alive, who takes the decisions for you? Your God? Or you? I'll I'll tell you my brothers and sisters, you know, I've seen many parents who do not want to send their children to other schools because they teach yoga in those other schools. But actually they're practicing yogis themselves. What did I say? Everybody is like looking strangely at me. We don't want to send our children to secular schools because they teach yoga. But what are you? Yogi. I will tell you what a yogi is. What does yogis do? They do yoga. And what do you have in yoga? You have asanas. So in the whole, in the, before the, in the, in their works workplace, in their workplace, because they have they are working for money, they have what they call as padmasana, concentration. Okay, full concentration. I am not going to be disturbed, even on Sunday they are working. Because they have to make money. What are you, yogi, doing? Padmasana. Huh? So when they come home, I'm talking about husbands, basically, fathers, especially, you know, because they are the head of the home. What are they doing in, uh, in 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 the home? They are supposed to be the spiritual what head of the home, but in the home they do sirshasana. What is sirshasana? Head down, legs up. please don't disturb me, don't, please don't disturb me. What do we do with the children? You take the decision. Which church do we go? You take the decision. What do we do with the money? You take the decision. You know why? I want to do sirsashana because when I do sirsashana, all my blood vessels will come to my brain. I want to improve my concentration. Huh? So that I can do padmasana. More money. What are you? Jogi. So when they come to church, there is another asana they do. That is called Nidrasana. What is Nidrasana? Sleeping. So, Padmasana, concentration before the screen and the computer, because they have to earn money. asana, they are head down, legs up in the home. They are not taking any spiritual decisions. And, Pastor, When I come to your church, Pastor, it says, I give my beloved rest. And your teaching and your preaching gives me a lot of peace and calm. I could not sleep in my home. I am able to sleep in the church. What are you? A total fraud of the first order. And you say, I do not want to send my children to the to the secular school because they say, they teach them, what? Yoga. But you are what? Yogi of the first order. And then these yoga yogis, they have a group. Yogi WhatsApp group. And in Telugu they say when yogi yogi come, what will come? Boodida. Ash only will come after that. What are you baba? Yogi. Oh no, 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 no. We do not want any saffronization of India. Baba, you are a first class saffron in your own home. What are you talking about? Chogi. It's interesting, no? When I come to your church, pastor, I feel the peace. Revelation chapter 1. Is your God alive? Is your God alive, my dear brothers and sisters, this morning? The Lord God of Israel lives. He's not dead. If he's alive, who's taking your decisions? If he's alive, how are you living? How are you dealing with your sin? Revelation chapter 1. Look at what it says in Revelation chapter 1. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. This is John in the island of Patmos. He has a revelation of Jesus Christ. But he laid his hand upon me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first. I am the last. I am he who what? lives and was dead and behold i am alive for what for ever amen and i have the keys of death and hades so if i'm alive forevermore what do i do when i sin what do i do when i fall into temptation what do i do what do I do? If my God lives, what do I do? What do I do when, when I fall into temptation? Do I just lose hope? No, 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 no. My dear brothers and sisters, because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, that is shed out upon the cross, by a new and a what way? And a living way. What is he going to do? He's going to purge our conscience from dead works. If we confess our sins, our God is not dead. He is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you believe the blood of Jesus speaks for you this morning? I believe it with all of my heart. Why are you walking with condemnation therefore? Why is there no joy in your heart? Why should Abel say, let there be joy in the house of the Lord? And say hallelujah my dear brothers. It should come naturally you know. That's what I told you know. We put padmasana before the computer. When we are in that movie theater. We are in raptures. They take us into a different realm. When we come to our church. What we do? Nidrasana. Sleep asana. He sprinkles. Because our God is not dead. I know, remember, I, uh, we remember the song in, uh, in in Sunday school, no? God's not dead, he is alive. Remember that song? I don't agree with the other part of the song. I feel him in my hands, I feel him in my feet, etc, etc, etc. But the first confession is powerful. God's not dead, he is alive. If he is alive, who's making your decisions? If he is alive, why do you still walk in con- condemnation? Jesus died. Jesus rose from the dead and he justified us in Christ and before we, before the judgment seat of Christ, how does God look look at us? Just as if we have never sinned. Clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Because of the death, burial and the resurrection, he is not dead. He is alive. The Lord God of Israel lives, my dear brothers. Second thing, the Lord God of Israel lives. Therefore what happens? Hebrews chapter 7. And there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save you how? To the uttermost. Why? Because he always lives to make what? Intercession for us. What is he doing right now? Oh. Oh, oh I love, I love that. What do the cherubs sing? Cherubs are singing. Holy, 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 holy. The Lord God Almighty forever and forever and forever he lives. When the cherubim are singing, do you think God is quiet? Yes, the cherubim will have to say, holy, holy. God is never quiet. Jesus is never quiet. He always commends people, great is your faith. I have never seen a faith in Israel. Let it be done according to your faith. He always responds to worship. The cherubim are crying. Holy, holy, holy. You know what Jesus Christ is saying? Mercy, 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 mercy Lord for these children who have fallen. Because I have taken their place on the cross. Mercy, mercy. Woe is me, I am undone, said Elijah when he saw the holiness of God. I am a man of unclean lips. And what does the cherubim do? The moment he confesses his sin, Immediately the tongs from the altar come. What are those? The intercessory prayers of Jesus Christ. Crying out for mercy for his children. They come and purge. Oh, the, the cherubim say, holy, holy, holy. And Jesus says, what? Mercy, mercy, mercy. Because the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel cries out for revenge. The blood of Jesus cries for what? Mercy. Therefore, 1 John chapter 2 will say, My little children, these things are right to you, so that you may not sin, and if anyone sins, we have an who? Ah, oh, kya baat hai. Advocate. If Jesus Christ is your advocate. Kya baat hai? Who is the lawyer, Baba? Prosecution lawyer ka hai? Remember, Zachariah, the, the gospel according to Zachariah chapter 3, Joshua standing with his dirty clothes, filthy garments and the angel of the Lord standing there and Satan is standing at his right hand and saying, bringing accusations and what does the angel of the Lord say? The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you. You know why? Because my God is not dead. He's alive. He's making intercession for us. He is my advocate on on the side on the right hand side of Jesus Christ, there's an advocate. That is the reason why in the throne room you, you, in, uh, in Revelation chapter five, you have the throne room of Heaven, where, where you see this incredible revelation of God the Father on the throne. and then Revelation chapter five, there was a scroll which was sealed. Nobody could open the scroll. And John started weeping. Oh said he, Lord who is there. Worthy to open the scroll. And suddenly don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Right there. Next to the ancient of days. He was there. Shed his blood. And he is able to open the scroll. And therefore what does he say. He has purchased all of us. Through his own blood. And made us into kings and priests. Unto God. So first thing. Because we have a God who's living. He is forever making intercession for us. He's able to save us to the uttermost. Second thing, when we fall, we have a new and a living way. Third thing, third thing, how do you know that your God is living? Joshua chapter 3 verse 10. <clears throat> and Joshua said, Yhoshua said, Yeshua said, Jesus said, okay? By this you shall know Uh, That the who is among you? (coughs) The living God is among you. Who is among you? How? How? Because he will without fail (coughs) drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Peresites, the Gergeshites, and the Amorites. How do you know? That the living God is among you, that your God is not dead, but he is alive. What is He doing? He's constantly delivering every spirit of uncleanness, every Canaanite spirit, every Hittite spirit, every Girgishite spirit, every Parasite spirit, every Amorite spirit, every Jebusite spirit is being taken out from your life little by little by little by little. That is how I know. That there is, that you are in a state of constant deliverance. Okay? What are you in in a state of? Constant deliverance. That is the reason why you should come to the preaching of the word. What does God do? He will replace the lie in your heart by writing his truths on the tables of your heart through the spirit. How? How does he do it? Look at what it says. In Psalm 18, everybody look at this. Very interesting, powerful verse. Psalm 18 verses 44 and 45 as soon as they hear of me, that is God, they will obey me. Who is that? Who are that people? <coughs> the demon spirits. The foreigners inside of you, the Canaanites, the Hevites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Gergeshites, all the theites, they will submit to me. The foreigners fade away and come frightened from there. Oh yeah. <clears throat> there are hideouts in your heart. Suddenly, it's like this, no? You got a symptom and you go to the doctor. Nowadays, what do the doctors do? Complete examination. Top to bottom. And what happens? All the hideouts come. Oh, every hideout comes out. Ah, this fellow. This is there. This virus is there. That virus is there. Everything will show up. And you know where where all the spirits hide comfortably? They hide in the church. I told you, right? Some people are like that. I told you, yogis. They're also fantastic pretenders. They'll come to you. How You know how they'll come to you? They are living a compromise life. Absolute compromise life. But they will come and say, Pastor, you are holy, Pastor. I am not so holy. So God is not going to use me, Pastor. I am too unholy for God. What is it called? I call it satanic humility. Okay. I call it what, what humility? Satanic humility. Because what is Satan? He's a counterfeit. He fakes also humility. Oh pastor, you are holy. I, I know it. Now many people have come to my office and they say that, "Oh, you are holy pastor. Uh, we are not that holy. No, we are not worthy to be people like this. What We will work for our own money, we will make our money. You do the job for us. In fact, please, you fast and pray for my deliverance. What is that What is that? Uh, you fast and pray for my deliverance? What are you this is called satanic humility demonic faith what is that uh, what is the re- oh i tremble at, at, at God oh, I, i'm trembling I, I don't like to come to the close to God lest I be struck dead now, what is that demonic faith because demons what do they do they tremble never submit what are these these are spirits which are hiding they don't realize it Isn't it interesting? I'll come to that later on. Let's look at another translation. There are hideouts in you. And those hideouts are actually strongholds. They are like, you know, this web that has been made by the by the by the demons. It's a nest. It has to be uprooted. No? I, I remember when we were in uh, our previous house, the birds of the air used to come to our air condition. So we had this air condition. Those fellows used to come, bring all their twigs nicely, make a nice nest and they have a family. So my wife got really frustrated. She said, do something about that Vijay. So I said, okay fine, let us reduce the gap. We will fill the gap between the roof and the AC, okay, the, the AC outlet. So I had a cushion kind of a thing. I bought a cushion, thick cushion. On top of that, I put some uh, wrapping paper <coughs> and I stuck it up to the to the wall so I reduce the gap between the the AC vent and the roof but pigeons they die hard okay so they came they looked at this wrapping paper started poking at the wrapping paper nicely da 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 ta, they poked the wrapping paper and they took, took the wrapping paper out in a few weeks now what do they have a comfortable cushion who provided that I provided now what is there a comfortable cushion, beautiful family they made. And now instead of two birds before, we had four families in the same place. Church office. I put my helmet on the onto my onto my bike. The sparrow comes. I said, What a cute sparrow. So I put my helmet like that and I went inside. Generally, I stay for about ten hours in the lab in, no, not in the lab, sorry uh, <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> habits die hard, you see uh, I mean you can take the researcher out of the lab, but you cannot take the lab out of the researcher okay so <laughs> so ten hours I'm, i I finished my uh, work in the in the office and I come out. The cute sparrow has made a lovely nest. With all its fantastic twigs there, starting about to start a family. You know something, my dear brothers and sisters. In each of you, there's a nest of the devil. Some of you have the nest of lust. Some of you have a nest of anxiety and anxious thoughts which is eating your gall. It's been a nest. It's a hideout. And the symptoms are asymptomatic. You don't even know. It's killing you slowly, like diabetes. Slowly it's killing you and you don't even know. The symptoms are not there. It's there. Slowly. Some viruses are there in the, in the, in the body. They're asymptomatic. They don't show up until the damage is done. You're about to die now. hideouts. They hide in the churches, my dear brothers and sisters. Look at what it says in another translation. In the NIV. Foreigners cover before me as as soon as they hear of me. They obey me. They all lose heart. They come trembling from their what? strongholds. There are strongholds. There's a stronghold of lust in many of us. There's a stronghold of gluttony in many of us. We are gluttonous consumers of food. On my last Sunday, I had a sudden attack of BP. And just went up, shoot up, shot up like anything. Suddenly. Never had that before. And after uh, examination is done, I was talking to Dr. Richard and Dr. Richard said, "Pastor Vijay, from today onwards, no coffee. No tea. I said, okay. You can take one cup of coffee and one cup. The point is, for me, either it is zero or one. I cannot make one cup like that. It's not possible for me. I said, okay, fine. I'll give it up. You wouldn't believe the withdrawals I was going through through the week for coffee. I was consumer of coffee of the first order. I made tea time rich in, in, uh, in, in Kishnamanglaive pastor used to say, he will put a danda in a photo and he will worship you. Not Lakshmi. I was a consumer of coffee. And I went to Jharkhand. We have another pastor. He is another tumbler. He doesn't, he, he only believes in jugs and mugs. Either it is beer mug or coffee mug. And there I also got used to black coffee now. I consumed and I consumed and I consumed. My full body is full of caffeine now suddenly I gave it up, I said no, no more coffee I would not believe it, I was falling asleep I was having headaches, I was having pulls from different sides, you know why all oh, those high dots were coming out now the addictions some of us are gluttons we do not have any control over the food that we consume oh, come 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 hungry, hungry hungry what is one constant refrain? Mama, I am hungry Hey, oh, you just ate. I'm hungry. See, strongholds. And how do strongholds come out? Because a living God speaks the what word? The living word, Which has authority, which is unction. And you know, where, where all these things hide in the church, comfortably. Until one fellow comes and shows and says, Baba, some of you are addicted to pornography left, right and center and you are absolutely pretending before God. <coughs> you are addicted lock, stock and barrel. It's a demon of pornography now. It's constantly eating your your, your your soul. You cannot have a right relationship with the opposite gender anymore. Because your eyes are full of adultery. And where are you? Hiding in the church. But what are you? Practicing yogi. My dear brothers and sisters, let us not pretend and deceive ourselves. Let them come out of their hiding. All strangers, foreigners that are occupying the temple of the living God. Please, sisters and brothers behind, can you just manage your children, please? Kindly. Don't disturb. Understand that. You know, when demons enter, Abigail, come here, Abigail. Come, come. Come here. Abigail is, just imagine Abigail is like a uh, small girl. Okay? Uh, or not, not not a small girl. Let us say, let us know she's becoming a she's almost a teenager now. You know, she's walking towards a school. Some guy is watching her. I know it. What will I do? I'll walk next to her, right? Why? Protecting her from that attack. What am I doing? I'm watching her. Come on, let's go. Let's go together. I don't want these fellows to see you. And let them know when they see my eyes and they see the stare. That they have to go through me first to touch or see this person. And that has to be made clear. Okay? What am I doing in this process? I am protecting her. Abigail might say, what is this dad always doubting me? Why is he always behind me? Strict to daddy. No freedom. What am I doing? Protecting. Let's go back. What am I doing? Protecting. I'll tell you. I'll give you an example. Why do, I was telling you, know, Why do we discipline our children? Why do we discipline our children? I'll tell you why we discipline our children. Because every child, by default, his default state is we have been birthed in sin, shaped in iniquity. Okay? So, by default, there are only two authorities. There are two sources of power. One is a legitimate power when it which is the power of the Holy Spirit, it only flows through you when you come under the authority and the leading of the Holy Spirit. There is other power, which is called the power of witchcraft, which flows through you, but there is illegitimate authority. Who is an illegitimate authority? Any authority which discredits legitimate authority is illegitimate authority. And what is flowing through that person is the power of witchcraft. So, give an example now. So what does witchcraft do? They either manipulate... Or they intimidate, or they control. So what do children do? They fall flat on the floor and they foam and froth. Some some children. Why? I want my way. Okay. Why are you on the floor, foaming and frothing? Because I want my way. I want that T-shirt. I want this. I want that. So what do children? What do parents do? Okay, 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 okay. We can't tolerate this. Take this T-shirt. You know what has happened? You have opened the door into your children's life for the demonic to enter. What does discipline do? You take the whip and spank the daylights out of the child. What are you actually doing? You are saying, you know what? I'm protecting you from the spirit entering into you. It's a wall. You don't realize that. You know, how do I know this? I was asking Lord, how, how, how do I know this Lord? You remember the guy who's foaming and frothing? The disciples are not able to deliver him. They come to Jesus and Jesus asks this question, when did this happen? When did this demon enter into him? And you know what he says? From childhood. You don't restrain your children. You know what you're doing? You're opening doors for the demonic into their life. You do not understand that this discipline is the safeguards that your children, that your parents are giving you. I remember my parents, I, I thank God for our parents who are tough. They put protections, hedges of protection around us. I remember when I was, uh, I got my MCAT rank and I said, I want to study in Visakh." My mother said, no going to Visakh, You're studying here, I know you. Parents know you. <laughs> she forgot, I remember, huh? No going anywhere. If you if you want to go out of Hyderabad, get into IIT, then I will send you. Oh, okay, then it's fine. Hmm? Protection, hedges of protection. Otherwise, they are hideouts, my dear brothers. You know how difficult it is to restrain children nowadays. They come to school, they're all over the place. They cannot sit at one place like, they're always restive like this, like this, like this, like this, like this, like this. What, they have prostate problem at eight years old. What, what problem? Prostate problem. I want to go to washroom, I want to go to, I'm hungry. Want to go to washroom, want to this, hungry. You know, when we, when, there are two kinds of stands. When children come to school. One is center stand. One is side stand. So when they come to class, they are center stand. When they sit before the table, they are side stand. What are you getting? Nothing into your head. Nidrasana. Foreigners. Hiding in churches. Some of you are bitter. You know, they're so angry. It's just, it's just so, you're angry at everybody. You're angry even at the dog who has, nothing, who has done you no harm. Like me, you know. <laughs> Wherever I see dogs, you know. my co- we, we moved to a new apartment complex. The reason why I love, love my new complex is because there are no dogs. And suddenly I saw a dog. I'm the only person in the entire family in the entire community who's taking a stick and chasing the dog chasing the dog out. Okay, some people are like that, they are angry, bitter, at what we don't know. Bitter, full of bitterness. The gall. You remember Simon the sorcerer? Oh, please, I'll give you money. Please give me this gift. So that even when I lay hands upon somebody. They will also receive this gift. You know what Peter says? Let your money perish with you. I perceive you are in the gall of bitterness. That fellow starts trembling. Oh, please pray for me, pastor. How typical, my dear brothers. How typical. Pray for me, brother. That is what I call demonic faith, satanic humility. So what does the teaching of the word of God do? The living word. What does it do? It cuts through all these shenanigans, if you will. All these pretenses and comes to the root of the problem and shows you what you exactly are. Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. Then they went to Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered into the synagogue. Where? In the church. And he was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Why? How, how did they know that he had authority? No, there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out. Oh, please let us alone. How did the unclean spirit come? Every week it was happily coming to church and nicely putting that fellow to sleep. Hmm? Understand that? Let us alone. What did Jesus say? He rebuked him. So in the, this morning I want to speak. All those demonic strongholds, I rebuke them. All those strongholds which are hiding in our hearts. Those sicknesses which you don't even know. Let them come out in the name of Jesus. Let them come out. Let them show themselves. Let the strangers not hide. Let them come out of their hideouts. And Even as the minister of the word of God comes, renounce them in the name of Jesus. Send them out. Send them back. To where they belong. Understand this. Is your God living? Or is he dead? (laughs) If your God is living, he's driving out. He's bringing them out of their hiding places and driving them out. I realized how much of, even as I teach and minister, I know how many things I am being personally being delivered from. Don't be a passive hearer of the word of God, my dear brothers and sisters. Be active. First Kings chapter 17. Let's move on. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand. You're still looking at his testimony. Man first, his testimony. I stand before God. Question therefore is, Psalm 25. Who can stand? Let's see. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? He who has what? Clean hands and a pure heart. He has not lifted up his soul to an idol. Not sown deceitfully. Oh! For us, we have several idols. One idol, biggest idol all of us have is Saraswati. What is that? Education. Idol and the other is Lachin Devi. What is that? Money. One is Saraswati education. So, what are you? Saraswati Putraha or Lakshmi Putra. We don't know. That is one big idol. Everything in our life is centered around that. What will happen to my children? 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 children? I'll tell you, nothing will happen. If you do not put God as first priority in your life, everything will happen. What will happen? Somebody called me. Oh. My son wants to go to Akash. He's got. He wants to. Akash is some academy now. Akash. Okay, they will take you to Akash only. Actually, the bill will be Akash. I do not know. The rank will be Akash. We don't know. Huh? He also wants to come to your church. Also. That is the reason why. If Baal is God, worship him. If Jehovah is God, how long will you halter between two opinions? Oh, one, some people have one person as their idol in their life. One fellow who is standing Vigraham Pushti Naiva Full, that fellow standing in, their, in, in his life. Statue. He bowed down to that idol every day. Who is that fellow? One fellow who is in, in a relationship. He is an idol. What will he think? What will she think? What will he think? What will she think? What will my parents think? See, like pastor was saying, no? So many of us, I think last Monday was saying, so many of us still live for the opinions of men. We are still captives of the opinions of men. They are the idols in our heart, my dear brothers. And we have another idol. Family background. What is that? Family background is a big idol. What is your C-A-S-T? What is that? Cast. It has cast its spell upon many believers, unfortunately. I, I, I like the the shock that the that the marriage registers, you know, when we go and sign our registers in our in our registrar's office. Shrikanth Ramachandra, Swapna Reddy. He's looking at Christian marriage. He's looking at me like this. Huh? Shrikanth Ramachandra, Swapna Reddy. What is this? Love marriage. And you know, Shrikant is very upset. Now, when anybody says love marriage, he will be very upset. No, 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 no. Arranged marriage. Arranged. (laughs) This was arranged by my pastor. Okay. He's like shook. He's shocked. Like, this also happens. This also happens. It is not one beautiful Chowdhury girl looking for a fantastic Chaudhary man with a five figure salary. Five figure means what? In dollars Baba, not in rupees. Whom are you worshipping? Lachin Devi. Lakshmi. Money. What will your money buy? Think about it my dear brothers. The more I am growing in the Lord, the more I see the futility of depending upon money. And the deception of depending upon money. It is therefore called the deceitfulness of riches. What do they do? They choke the word. So what do you have? You have a divided heart you don't have a pure heart you have a divided what is the opposite of a pure heart it is a divided heart not an impure heart it's a divided heart you're not loyal totally sold out to god and think about it now in any church how many people can the pastor count on and say this person i can depend upon in lock stock and barrel Think about that. For some people, coming to church itself is they want Nobel Prize. Huh? Very few people. Look at what it says in James chapter 4. Draw near to God, and he will what? Draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, what? You double-minded. Lament and mourn. Elijah was a man just like us. (laughs) Am I just like Elijah? Am I just like Elijah? And we have this romantic ideas of being raptured one day. What are we doing? We are just fooling ourselves, my dear brothers and sisters. Let us let 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 there be a honest appraisal of ourselves. What we call as self-appraisal form. Justin knows it very well. Manager, how much you give yourself? Rate yourself, honestly. If you rate yourself on the count of one to ten, or zero to ten, how will you rate yourself? Sold out to God. Hmm? Elijah was a man, just like us. So the man, the testimony, third thing, the surrender. The man, the testimony, the surrender. The next, how do I know that he surrendered? Look at what it says in 1 Kings chapter 17. The word of the Lord came. What What does it say? The word of the Lord came to him. Oh, he was not searching for the word of the Lord. The word of the, let me tell you something. I, I, I read uh, <clears throat> Lou Ingel. <clears throat> he wrote a book called uh, "Shaping the World Through Fasting and Prayer." No, it's not Lou Engel, uh It's uh, Derek Prince, right? Thank you. Derek Prince wrote a book uh, book called uh, uh, "Shaping the World Through Fasting and Prayer." In that book, there's a preface to that book written by a man called Lou Ingel. And you know what he makes he makes a very interesting statement. He says, "Fasting is like preparing a runway." For the revelations of God to land. Ooh, think, 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 think think. about this. Fasting is like preparing a runway. For the revelations of God to land. See. Everybody is preparing a runway. Whether you like it or not. Some of us are preparing the runway. For the demons to, to land. Some of us are preparing the runway. For the revelations of God to land. For example. For example any bad news, who gets it first? Or any interesting news? What news? You know what this person did? You know what happened to that person? You, you are the first person to know how. You don't have to search for gossip. You prepared a runway. And the demon of gossip is like flying like that, hovering around the sky. Oh, the runway. prepared for me. Nicely it will come and land on you. The Bible says, the word of the Lord landed on Elijah. Why? Type of that in the New Testament. Luke's Gospel, chapter 3. Now in the 15th year, of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being the tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip being the uh, tetrarch of Hyturia, and the region of Tito- uh, Trichotinus, and Lysinus the tetrarch of uh, Abilene, while Ananas and Caiaphas were high priests. Ah, the word of the Lord circumvented all these big timers and came where? To John in the wilderness. Where did it come to? John in the wilderness. Because you know why? There was one prepared runway for the Lord. word of the Lord to come and land on that person. Luke's Gospel chapter 1. So the child grew and became strong in the spirit. And what was it? He was in the deserts of Arabia until the day of his manifestation. What has happened? He was preparing himself. How was he being prepared? Look at what it says. Mark's Gospel chapter 1. Huh. What is it? John was clothed with camel's hair with a what belt? First camel's hair means what? His attire. Apparel proclaimeth the man. Francis Bacon. Not Francis Schaeffer. It's Francis Bacon. Yeah. Apparel proclaimeth the man. What is it? What does it mean? His man who has a control on his what? On his appetites. So what does the word of God come? It comes to you. So this morning also, I am a man just like Elijah. If I am a man just like Elijah, what should happen to me? The word of the Lord should also come to me. So how? How am I preparing myself to receive the word? Think about it. How do we come to church? Prepare. Early in the morning on Sunday. We prepare, start start preparation from Saturday. Or you watch a nice movie on Saturday. Stay awake till 3 o'clock in the morning. Then you come to church, you expect the Lord to hear you and you hear from God? Not possible. 2nd Kings chapter 1 Then he said to them, what kind of a man was it who came to meet you and told you these words? So they answered him, a hairy man wearing a leather belt around his waist. And he said, it was Elisha the tishbite. Now why? It was a man who was prepared. A man who had control over his senses so that the word of God can come and land upon him. This morning God is looking for runways. Now the scariest part of flying is what? Not take off. Landing. You're never sure about it, right? Sometimes it is smooth. Sometimes it is shh. Okay, But If there's a runway, doesn't matter what the weather is, what you're going through, whatever circumstances you're going through, if there's a prepared runway, the word of the Lord will come and find you. So if you're a man just like Elijah, what should happen? The word of the Lord should come to you. He's a prepared vessel for the word of the Lord to come. So we looked at the man, we looked at the witness, we looked at his, the vessel. The vessel which was prepared. Third, the next one, the fourth one. The pruning of the man from all prejudices. Okay? The pruning from all prejudices. All of us have prejudices. We like people just like us. Or in the same domain like us. Or having the same problems like us. Am I right? So what does God do? Put us in a place. Where people are completely different from you. See when we are engineers. Most of the time we are with engineers. And we have the same focus. So we have a camaraderie that is going on over there. You are engineer. I am engineer. Doesn't matter what your background is. You are in the same boat. High five. You come to church. People from what? Different backgrounds. Different languages. Different habits. Different attitudes. Different temperaments. Different likes. Different problems. Different baggages. And what are you supposed to do? Lord, I will touch no unclean thing? No. Look at what it says in First Kings chapter 17. I'll try to explain this to you. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook cherith which flows, by the way, that is, that is pruning. cherith means pruning or cutting. Which flows into the Jordan and it will be that you shall drink from the brook and have commanded the who? The ravens. To feed you. Okay. John's gospel chapter 15. Just introduce this to you. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit. What does he do? He prunes. So that he bear more fruit. Okay. Keep that in mind. Leviticus chapter 11. These are the birds that you regard as unclean. And not eat because they are unclean. The eagle. The vulture. The black vulture, the red kite and the black kite and the raven. Not only you are not supposed to eat, you are not supposed to eat anything which is touching the unclean thing. Anything that one of their carcasses falls on becomes out unclean. Where do you find ravens? At the dead bodies. So what is God telling now? I have commanded the ravens to feed you. So what is a New Testament parable? Connotation of this. Excuse me? Yes, you can tell me. Kya baat A for the day, for Samir Bhai. Acts chapter 10, verse 11. He saw heaven opened. This is Peter. Peter sir. And something like a large sheet being led down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of 4 animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told me, get up Peter, kill and eat. Oh, Peter is a kosher man. Even in his vision, he will not touch anything unclean. Surely not, Lord. <laughs> in the dream, he's replied, Lord, no, Lord. I have not never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him the second time saying do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened how many times? For Peter everything has to be told three three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You rebuke me? You will rebuke me? You will rebuke me? Okay. Kill and eat. Kill and eat. Kill and eat. Three times. But the problem is the prejudices are very strong. You see, I'm saying this from my personal testimony, okay? We have a new entry into our family. She's so different from us. I mean, at least for me, for my children, I mean, so different. And you, you should see how much I'm learning from this person who has come into our family so that I can make her feel a part of the family. Because ithakotas are already there, natural ithakotas are there. So, one other person has become an ithakota now, but in name, but she has to become an ithakota eventually. So, it's, it's, a, it's a process of learning for us. And it's like, it's like I'm in a, I'm in a church setting in my own home where I have to learn. I have to unlearn so many things and I have to learn so many things in order for me to make sure that this person feels accepted in the home. You see, unless until you take a deep dive, you don't know. So many things. Something which are natural for us is so unnatural for that person. So many things you might feel it's 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 second nature for you. you. But you are coming to a body of Christ where it is not second nature for so many people. But what do you have to do? That is what we call as what? Fellowship. Different kinds of people with different backgrounds. The problem is the Jewish people have the very strong sense of identity. It's very difficult to let go. Habits what? Die hard. Galatians chapter 2. When Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. You know why? More. What will they think? he is eating with the Gentiles and the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas was carried away by the hypocrisy Paul is like he is a kosher Jew who has become, hes all things to all people now, look at what it says in Galatians chapter 2 but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel I said to before, before them all if you being a jew live like a live like a gentile and not as a jew why do you compel the gentiles to live like jews <laughs> how many prejudices we have prejudices you are from north india i am from south india in south india different indias again East India, West India, but thank God for our church, where everybody is welcome from different backgrounds. You know why? Because in Christ, what is broken? The middle wall of separation is broken. You know why Elijah has to go through Kerith? Because all his prejudices have to be broken. Because the next he's going to go where? Go where? To Zarephath, to a woman who's a what? Who's a Gentile. <laughs> Who's a Gentile? And how can God send him there unless and until he deals with the prejudices in his heart? Therefore, who's going to feed you? Elijah, the ravens will feed you. The ravens will feed you. Elijah is a man just like us. Am I a man just like Elijah? Do I have prejudices? Oh yeah, we have. We have engineering believers WhatsApp group. Okay, we have software engineer, believers, WhatsApp group. Are you part of a church? I remember, I went to a church a few years back. We are proud Baptists. Looked at him and I said, wow, what a statement. Proud Baptist. I am proud to be a Baptist. But you don't realize that you are a Papist. Everybody at the foot of the cross Everybody is the same. The middle wall of separation has been broken. The man who has been pruned at kereth From all his prejudices. He has to eat the food that comes from ravens. No Lord, I will not touch anything which is unclean. Then die. That is the only option for you. I will not fellowship with this brother from a different background. Then die. Okay. So understand that. The prejudices have to be pruned. Next. Refining in close fellowship. Where is that? Ah, in close fellowship, you know what is going to happen? All your inner things will be revealed. Your envy, your jealousy, your your prejudices, everything will come out in close fellowship with other believers. The word of the Lord came to him. Arise, go to who? Zarephaths. Because I have commanded the widow to provide for you. Who is this widow? She's a Gentile. What is is he supposed to do? Live with her for several years. They know your life. He knows their life. Everything is open. Nothing can be done. You You know something? If you stay long enough in a church, your true nature will come out sometime or the other. Okay, one day it'll come out in one unguarded moment, it will come out. Right? Because you can fool some people, sometime, some people all the time, some people all the time, but not all people all the time. So one day your true nature will come out. You can pretend and pretend and pretend and suppress and suppress and suppress. One day one test will come, which is called as surprise test quiz and all your hidden things will come out. In close fellowship. Everybody knows you. <laughs> I remember Art cats. He was, uh, they were living in a fellowship. All believers in a close fellowship in a township. So everybody can hear everybody else's arguments so he was supposed to go to the chapel in the, in the in the campus and share the word that evening before he was he was going to the camp he was going to the chapel he had an argument with his wife bada, 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 Argument, argument 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 the festered the argument festered and he said to heck with you i'm going to church and she came to the door and she opened the door just before she shut the door she said Tell your congregation what kind of a fantastic man of God you are. Pung! And that sound, that word that she spoke reverberated in the campus. And everybody was waiting for him to come and share the word. So slowly he enters into the chapel. All eyes on the preacher. <laughs> you see, where is this exposed? in a closed fellowship, let me tell you why people avoid fellowship because they don't want to be known. If people know you see, one of the things that I, I really like about our thing is like I mean the Pastor James, I, they know me for such a long time, even certain, certain tricks in my face they can make out. And suddenly pastor will say, what is happening? What is wrong? It's that kind of an openness and transparency is there. And it's something which guards you. You're accountable. You're closely accountable to the other person now. Whatever you do, you're accountable to that person. Because the decisions you make will affect them. The decisions they make, they will affect you. And they are, your lives are intertwined. You know, Derek Prince, no? He had a special set of five brothers who were absolutely loyal and accountable to one another. They share each other's problems. They know each other's lives. Absolutely. Lock, stock and barrel. They know what they watch, what they eat, what they read. Okay, nothing is hidden. So every decision that they make, they want to have a common consensus before they make a decision. So Derek Prince, before he was getting married the second time, this is on public domain, so I'm not... saying anything which is not in public domain, okay? So he says, before I got married to, uh, to my second wife, after my first wife died, <clears throat> I got this proposal. Both of us have agreed. We, be, we believed that it was from God, and we wanted to go ahead with the proposal. But then I told them, I told my fiancé, I said, I think I should wait. I should inform my other brothers, and I want to take their consensus before I make a decision. So you know what happened? He goes to his brothers and he says, you know what? This is what I believe. The Lord is leading me to marry this person. What do you think? And they said, I don't think this is from the Lord. Wait. You know what happened? He called that person and he said, that her, her name is Ruth by the way. He called that person and he says, my, my brothers are saying, it is still not from the Lord. You know it is from the Lord. I know it is from the Lord, but I still want to be absolutely sure about this because I did not get any green signal from, the, from my brothers. I want to wait. And after a while, they prayed and fasted and after a a month and a half later, they came back to him and said, this person whom God brought into your life is from the Lord. Marry her. You know why? They're closely knit. People make decisions. What if you're truly accountable to your group? What will you do? The first thing you will do, you will inform the person whom you are accountable to because your decision is going to affect them. Am I right? Think about it. Think about it. See, you, have, you may have many mentors, but you have only one father. I have many mentors in my life, but I have only one spiritual father is Pastor James and one biological father. My pastor, my, my my father here. Only one one father. One father, Pastor James and many mentors. I have many mentors, but only one spiritual father. So think about it, no? If, if if I say so, somebody else, he is my father, you are also my father. It sounds so ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, how can you call somebody else? You are also my father, you are also my father, you are also my father. What are you? You see, when your lives are accountable to one another, in close fellowship, you know that your decision is going to affect the entire fellowship. So what happens? It's a refining process that takes place. You have to say no to several things because your decision is going to affect so many other people's lives. That is what I call as accountability. Accountability. You see, these are such important truths, my dear brothers and sisters. You do, so sometimes, some people leave the church, for example, it's not going to affect them because they were never apart. But some people leave the church, it's affecting the church because they were always apart. And she, Elijah lives with this woman for several years now. His life is open. All these days he was all by himself. Now he has to live in the close scrutiny of a widow. She's going to see how he's going to eat. How he's going to sleep. How he's going to pray. How he's going to talk. How he's going to walk. Everything of his life is open to close scrutiny. That is the reason why I don't believe every preacher. I listen to him. I listen. Okay, listen. I'm not saying. So when any person is first, any preacher comes, you know, the first question you ought to ask, which local assembly you belong to? First question. How long have you been a part of this assembly? Second question. So that we know whether that person is accountable. You understand? So what has happened now? He's refined now. Where is he refined? In close fellowship. His life is open. You know what happens? After several years, several months in that house, that woman is shocked with this man's life. Son falls sick and you know what she says? Did you come to me to bring my sins to remembrance? What kind of a life you would have lived? Before that woman. And look at the statement of this woman. My dear brothers and sisters. After this entire episode is over. He resurrects that boy. And the episode is over. This is a statement of the woman. Look at the statement of the woman. This is 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 24. Then the woman said to Elijah. Now by this I know. You are a man of God. And the word of God. In your mouth is the truth. You know what that means? Word of God is always true. But is the Word of God in your mouth the truth? You know why it is true now. I'll tell you why. Because in Zarephath you've been refined. Your life has been open to close scrutiny. You've been exam. You've been exam- Examined. You You've been accountable. People have asked you tough questions. You have set right your life under constant scrutiny. You set li- right your life now. And what has happened in that constant close scrutiny and accountability? You have become true. What has happened now? The word that comes out of your mouth, what does it become? The truth. Look at what it says in Psalm 12 and verse number 6. The words of the Lord are what? Pure words. Silver tried in the furnace of earth. Purified seven times. Okay. So what has happened now? (laughs) He's been tested. He's been tried. He's been pruned. Close fellowship. God knows that this man is accountable. He can be trusted. And after everything has happened, next thing. Now his what? Present. His presentation. What is his presentation? First Kings chapter eighteen verse one. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah, in the third year saying, go present yourself to Ahab. And I will say, I will send what? Rain on the earth. Tested, tried in your home, in your house, in your church, for several years you've been pruned, you've made yourself accountable. You've you've earned the trust of the eldership. Now what happens? the word of god that comes out of your mouth will be true now you are ready to face the powers of darkness to be a minister of the word of god to be a witness who will bring deliverance matthew chapter 3 let's read this a, const, a parable a, 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 a parallel account in in the new covenant then jesus came from galilee to jordan at the uh, at, uh, to john at the jordan to be baptized by him this is accountability okay And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you. Are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and the Bible says, and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove alighting upon him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now there's a certificate over his life, his presentation. There's a pruning, there's a furnace, there's a cleansing in the fires of affliction or rather in close fellowship. And now he's been presented to be a minister of the word. Through it all, he maintains one important and very absolutely uh, essential characteristic. You know what it is? His indefatigable zeal. Zeal for God never goes down. Zeal for God never goes down. Look at his statement in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 10. So he said, I have been very zealous for the lord God of his of hosts, for the children of have forsaken me or have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek my life also. But what is his statement? I have been very zealous for the lord God. I have been very zealous that's his testimony. Elijah was a man just like us. Am I a man just like Elijah? Have you lost your zeal? Sister Elsa was praying for revival. Have you lost your zeal? Do you have the same zeal that you had several years back? I remember our church when we first began. It was vibrant. People are being added to the church left, right and center. What has happened now? Have you lost He He's coming. Titus chapter 2 for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what do we do? Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. What is it? Zealous. For good works, zealous for good works. Are you? We are all zealous for money, <laughs> zealous for education, zealous for so many things, but not God. How long will you falter between two opinions? If Baal is God, worship him. If if Jehovah is God. Worshipping and, and people answered him, "What? Nothing." What are they? What do we call us? Look They've this. lost their zeal. They become cold. Revelation chapter three. As many as I love, I rebuke, and chasten. Therefore, and chasten therefore, be zealous, and what? And repent. Zealous and repent. Lost your first love. You lost your zeal. You lost your passion. You're lukewarm now. You're about to be thrown out of my mouth. Be zealous. So this morning, am I like Elijah? The question I want to ask myself this morning is how am I prepared? I mean, really? Honestly? Have I lost my zeal? I ask myself, Lord, revive my church, Lord. And the Lord Lord will look at me and say, first I want to revive you. Hmm. And then we'll, we'll revive your family, and then revive your church. It starts like that. But everybody has to ask myself, Lord, revive my revive. We want revival. We'll start with you first. We'll start with you. Have you lost your zeal? What is your testimony? Zealous. Zealous. I am zealous. One thing about Paul, he was zealous. He was zealous as an unbeliever. He was zealous as a believer. Never lost his zeal. I want to be zealous. I don't want to lose my zeal. I don't want to lose my fire. And how do we lose the fire? Slowly we withdraw. When all the coals are together, what do they do? They burn. But when you start withdrawing, you go away from the fire, it is only a matter of time you will just burn out. You lost your, you lose your zeal, you lose your passion and before you know, you are in Sodom and even if Abraham comes and rescues you, you will still go back to Sodom. Because you know why? You lost your zeal. I don't want to lose my zeal. No matter what. Some people say zeal without wisdom. But let us have zeal now. <laughs> we'll talk about wisdom later. Oh, I want wisdom first and then... No, no, no. First get zeal. Make a few mistakes. Burn your fingers. You're so afraid to make mistakes. We want everything perfect. Burn a few fingers. Go out. Preach the gospel. Go to your, when you go to your office and say, Lord, I'm here for a purpose, Lord. I remember some people, you know, so many years back, we used to have Bible studies everywhere. Every office used to have a Bible study. And from there, people used to get, get added into the kingdom. What has happened now? Bible studies are gone. Ministry is gone. Sharing the gospel is gone. Zeal has gone. Over a period of time, slowly the fire has gone. What has happened? now? We have whipped ourselves to come to church. Or other church has become a discipline. His indefatigable zeal. He was zealous for God. Till the last. And you know what he said? Lord, my zeal is going. Take my life. That is what is, that was the statement. My zeal is gone, Lord. Take my life. He's like that leper, no? The two le the lepers who said, "Why we sit here and die? If we go back, we will die. If we stay here, we will die. What is the probability of living? If we go and fight?" People who are zealous take risks. What do they do? They take risks. That's what David did, no? He took a risk. That's what Jonathan says. Do you know what David did? He risked his life to save Israel. He risked his life. That was zeal. Zeal takes risks. Mordecai told Esther, 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 your people are going to perish, Esther. Do something. Esther said, Uncle, or Tauji, Pednana, I can't do it. If I go to the king, he will kill me because if unless the king, king calls me, I can't go to him. Hey, you know why? The palace, the nice food and fantastic clothing has made you, what? Lose your zeal. And if you keep quiet now, deliverance is going to go from, from somebody else for the juice will come from somebody else, but you will perish. And immediately she wakes up. And what she says? Go and tell my uncle. Me and my maidens will fast and pray and after three days I will go to the king. If I perish, let me perish. What is that? Zeal. God gave. She took a risk. God gave her wisdom. She had zeal. God gave her wisdom. So she went and she said please come to my home for food. What do you want? Please come to my home for food. He gives, She gave her nice food. Tell me sister, I mean tell me, not sister, of course. My wife, what do you want? Come tomorrow also for food. Nicely she pampered him with food and when the senses are nicely down, then she opened her mouth. That is wisdom. But she has zeal first and then wisdom. Zeal makes you take risks. Otherwise you will sit there and slowly wither away. You will Go away from fellowship and slowly the fire will go. And one day you will say, what has happened to me? You will be in Sodom, right there in Sodom and even after you are rescued, you will go back to Sodom like a like a dog which goes back to its vomit. So this morning, don't lose your zeal. Be zealous for God. Stand in the house of the Lord this morning. in the first Sunday of the fifth month on the seventh day of 2023 2023 adds up to 7 as well. Okay. (laughs) Seventh day of the fifth month. Let's ask God to rekindle our passion for God. If you have lost your zeal, Elijah was a man just like ours. But am I like Elijah? Have I lost my zeal? Have I lost my surrender? Have I lost my accountability? Let us ask these tough questions. Because the kingdom of God is like a steward who's going to ask for accounts. He's a manager, he's going to ask for accounts. What did you do with the one with the talents that I gave you? We have to settle accounts with God. Therefore let us have. Keep short accounts with one another. And with God. Confess your faults one to another. The Bible says. So that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer. Of a righteous man availeth much. And Elijah was a man. Just like us. But he had. A surrendered heart. He had a prepared heart where the word of the Lord could come. He was prepared for the prunings of God. He was prepared for the refinings of God. And he waited for the right time for him to be presented to the others. Because he was a prepared vessel. The Bible says in a house there are several vessels. One, some for honor and some for dishonor. But if a man cleanses himself of the letter, of of impure things, he will be a a, a vessel of honor in God's kingdom. Ready for the master's use. And he will give you a treasure in earthen vessels. So that the words that come out of your mouth will be the words of God. They will indeed be true. Father, I pray this morning for all of us. Some of us have lost our zeal. We have become cold. We do not witness anymore. We don't speak the gospel, preach the gospel anymore. The radiance from our lives is gone. The joy that we had is gone. People don't ask for the reason for the hope that is in us. We just go to work because we want to earn money. Lord, we do, we just don't go to work to earn money. We go to work because we want to be a witness. We go to colleges not to get a degree to be a witness. Lord, revive us. Revive us, Lord. Elijah was a man just like us. But most of us, O Lord, beginning with me, it is difficult for us to say and confess, I am like Elijah. And yet we want to be a part of the rapture. Lord, we don't want to deceive ourselves, O Lord. Lord, may you find in this house this morning, surrendered hearts. People who will say, if I perish, I perish. I will take my hands off my life. Let me become a prisoner of God. Like Elijah the Tishbite who was a captive of God. Some of us are captivated by the devil. We're captivated by idols. There's a hideout. Of the devil inside of our hearts. The hideout of lust. The hideout of pornography. The hideout of covetousness. The hideout of envy and bitterness. Lord, let them come out, Lord, this morning. From their hideouts. Reveal themselves. And be driven out in the name of Jesus. Every stronghold be exposed in the name of Jesus. Oh, Jesus, some of gripped by pornography, Lord. Addicted to entertainment, Lord. Some of us addicted to coffee, movies, entertainment wasting our time and the enemy comes to steal and to kill and to destroy and we don't even realize it oh lord, the life is just being eaten up by futility oh lord, by vanity with things which do not profit the cares of this world, the pleasures of this life which is choking the word that has been planted into our lives that we may not come into fruition oh lord oh, Jesus Jesus Jesus, Jesus oh lord let us not fool ourselves lord let us not deceive ourselves because your word says if, you, if any man says that he, is not, he did not sin he makes God a liar but if we confess our sins if we come to you in openness he who hides his sin will not prosper but your word says he who confesses and forsakes will obtain mercy oh lord this morning we want your mercy oh lord mercy oh lord we want to cry like Bartimaeus and say, Lord, I'm unclean. I've been gripped by a spirit of uncleanness. And it's eating away my spiritual life. It is killing my my, my energy. My zeal is being, is being taken away. Slowly the fire is being taken away. The anointing is being lost. Lord, there are holes in our lives. Every hideout every hideout of the enemy be opened in the name of Jesus this morning. Let them come out of their open, of their of their hideouts this morning. All those nests be exposed in the name of Jesus. Oh Lord. You Canaanite spirit, you spirit of fear, oh you spirit of deception, we come against you in our lives in the name of Jesus. Come out in Jesus name. Set your people free this morning, oh Lord. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Lord, deliver us. Set us free. By this you shall know that the living God is among us. For surely you will drive out the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, the, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and the Gergeshites and the Perizzites. All theseites, all these demons. Let them come out in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. We worship you, Father, for this day. Let your children experience deliverance, O Lord, even through the week. In, let them walk in deliverance. Let them be filled with your word. The anointing of the Holy Spirit rests upon them, O Lord. The anointing which breaks every yoke of the enemy. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. We worship you, Father. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, amen, amen. May the Lord richly bless you and have wonderful fellowship with one another this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.